0: Welcome to the SpongeBob Podcast. I'm so excited because this week we are speaking with Dakota Lee. He is an RUF intern at Wake Forest University, and that's how I know him. Um, But he has his own podcast, too. It's called PhDs of Company, where he talks about the interplay of mental health and comedy. So I can't wait for y'all to listen. Dakota. Thank you so much for being with us today.
1: You're welcome. I am honored. Uh, hello, Sponge Talk listeners. Thank you for having me.
0: So just to get started, would you mind introducing yourself and telling us a little bit about yourself and everything like that?
1: Yeah, sure. Uh, my name is Dakota Lee. I am uh, was born and raised in Knoxville, Tennessee. And then I made my way over to Winston-Salem, North Carolina in 2012 to start college at Wake Forest. And I graduated in 16 as a psychology major and was was pre-med. And now I'm serving as one of the RUF interns at Wake Forest. And that's how I know Lucy.
0: I did not know you were pre-med
1: yes that's a that's a longer story
0: it's also funny because you are one of the first people that when i got to wake forest um well first of all when i was going into school i didn't really know that i was gonna like have any connections from home or know a lot of people and it's funny because you actually know someone that i know from home when you came to a wedding at my church which was like one of the first connections we made (laughs) yeah
1: yeah oh i forgot about that um Wait, but you're not from Montgomery.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Oh, you are. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, okay, okay. So, yeah, that's wow. I forgot about that. That's funny because also now that's kind of the genesis of our podcast was at I think at that wedding. I think that was where when we were in Montgomery, I, Luis, and I stayed at a an Airbnb kind of far out and we were just laughing we were watching shrek and laughing a lot and he was like dude we should just we should just talk on a podcast and make jokes and be silly and i was like yeah we should and then it took a year
0: that is so funny i think i actually listened to y'all's first episode and montgomery got a shout out i was like hey yo
1: that's right that's right the gump
0: yeah. And so do you want to explain really quick for the listeners like what your podcast is? And we can talk more about that later, but you mentioned it. So I want them to have some info.
1: Yeah, sure. So it's uh, so it's called The PhDs of Company. And it was started uh, during quarantine, pushed by my my pod partner, Luis Herrera. Luis and I went to wake together. And anyway, Luis and I just both really uh enjoy comedy and laughing and we always have a good time together so that was kind of a first the first thing that's how we became friends and then uh really it kind of just turned out that we both ended up wanting to pursue mental health as a career and we both want to be counselors yeah so he he came to me during quarantine and was just like dude we've got all this time Let's let's do something constructive and I was down for it. And anyway, next thing I know, we're we were pumping out <laughs> episodes and yeah, it's been really fun to do. Uh the goal the goal of it is is to explore the interplay of, of comedy and counseling. And inevitably it it leans a little more towards mental health than comedy. Um, just because that's something we're we're both exploring and i mean Luis is going to grad school in the fall for for counseling um and hopefully i'll i'll be doing the same thing next year so anyway yeah it's uh it's it's a good time we like to we like to explore those things together and we like to watch certain things or read something together and then talk about it and dissect it together and ask hard questions about it so it it's been it's been a good time and i've learned a lot and it's given me an opportunity to define i guess what what i am pursuing and why
0: that's good and you started your podcast before i did and i was i saw yours and i was like oh people can just start podcasts. podcast and so i would have to thank you because i think that watching y'all pursue that kind of gave me some inspo, and so here we are.
1: Wow, uh, Sponge Talk, mm-hmm. let's go. That's it. <laughs> that's one of our that's our first uh, first bud that has come from from our podcast. I like that.
0: Yeah. So Funny. the first question I like to ask everyone is, "What is an area of goodness that you've seen in your life recently?" And I often like to add that I believe that as Christians, we're not. Optimistic, but rather we're hopeful, and that we can trust that the Lord is still weaving goodness into the storyline, even when crazy, confusing, overwhelming things are going on. And so, I just ask, what is an area of goodness that you've seen in your life recently? And you can tell us a story. You can tell us about a person. It can really be anything.
1: Yeah, um, I immediately have have some thoughts. It's refreshing, actually, to to have that question, mainly because on our podcast, I mean, Luis and I are both Christians, um, but we tend to we don't avoid talking about it, but we we just try not for it not to be hyper spiritual, so that um, people can explore what we're talking about um, and not feel like it, like it's watered down by you know our faith. Yeah, I think something that's been really good for me recently has been the racial protesting, um, and I don't think that. I'm not, yeah, I'm I'm not trying to like open up a can of worms uh, on your podcast, but it's just, it's been a really good area for me because I was, I was up in Washington, DC when George Floyd died and I was immediately convicted by my lack of action towards that. Like I, like it, I saw it and it appalled me and then I kind of carried on. Um, and then, so I'm glad that there was some sort of stand being taken to, convict me um and i've spent the last year with ruf like reading about racial reconciliation and i live with i've got um two little foster babies at my house that i live at um who are who are black and i think just a lot i've been confronted in the last year with a lot of things uh, mainly like history that that's been rushed under the rug around that stuff and being engaged with that culture has given me, um, space to think about where I stand with that. And, um, so when I was up in DC, uh, my, one of my friends I was staying with, uh, suggested we, we fast and we, we spent a day fasting and praying and we used some liturgy and we were just praying over poverty and militarization and, um, racialization and, and the protesting. And I mean, I just, I, I, it was, it I cried. I mean, I, I just felt, uh, I felt convicted and, and some guilt. And so we went to the protest actually, um, out in front of the white house. And this is where I started. I started realizing that there's like a, there's a kingdom route to all of this. uh, uh I was standing pretty close to the line of cops, like the barricade I was standing in the middle and I was just praying like Christ where would you be in this and I think everyone wants to hear they want to hear a Christian tell them that Christ is on their side you know like they like someone who's really who is activist wants a version of Jesus that is you know he's entirely social justice and he would destroy the military and the government and and then you know the other side wants Jesus to be on their side and defending you know our our freedoms and et cetera, and, but in the I was thinking about when Jesus was drawing in the sand between the the Pharisees and the adulteress, and he honestly would like he would be standing in between those two parties, like at the protest, and he would look at the protesters in the eyes and say, uh, "I love you, and thank you for fighting for justice." You know, because he's the king of justice, right? Like, the creator of justice. But I, the hard reality is that he also... He looks at the cop who murdered George Floyd. And he looks him in the eye and says, I, I died for you. You know, I love you. And that's that's like... Uh, it's hard to swallow because anyone who wants Christ to be on their side hears that and is like angered by it because it doesn't feel just to them. But... I love how David Brooks, he talked about like a wall of Christianity and like one of the walls that obstructs people from engaging with faith is siege mentality, which is like us versus them. And that's, that's like a big part of like cultural Christianity. And that's, that's terrible. Uh, and it's, it prevents people from engaging with this stuff and, um, I'm excited to see how the church continues to engage with it. Uh, I hope in the next couple of years that we start to see churches converging. So anyway, that's just, that's all been really good for me uh, personally, because it's helped me undo uh, a lot of my own racism. And it's given me an opportunity to actually repent and not, not like repent uh, the way I guess some people use it as like confessing so that I can be absolved, like, Okay, I feel good now. Like I'm, I can move on. But repenting, like actually turning my mind to Christ and changing my mind and changing my behavior and the way I think actively about this stuff. So that's been really good. And, and knowing that He has so much grace for this and that we don't need to feel guilty about it because He gives us His righteousness and we're, we're left like coming out of this, like taking a kingdom route through this, the process of repenting through that actually leaves us empowered. Like it's actually doing that is empowering, not destroying. So it's not, yeah, as as long winded, but.
0: That's good. That reminds me of my youth pastor always says that repentance is not just like you said, like, oh, I'm sorry, but it's a 180 degree turn. And it's a complete change of lifestyle and of thinking, like you said. Um, And then I also want to thank you for Speaking on, of course, all of the racial tensions and all of the things that are coming to a head right now in our generation and the ones, you know, above us. Because I think sometimes, especially since we've kind of been processing a lot of this information while alone, a lot of us, like, um, we're not as in tight knit community as, like, say, when we're in the swing of college or high school or things like that. And so I relate to the l- listener who. Like when going through all of this information has felt really overwhelmed and confused at times because so many things you don't know if they are the truth or if they just look like the truth. And then you're kind of left leaving a question like, okay, well, who am I supposed to agree with and who am I supposed to disagree with and what am I supposed to believe? But like you said, ultimately, like it's not about drawing lines between people. So I really appreciate that you said that. And I think it is, I think it is true that you said the hard truth of it is that God is a God of justice and mercy at the same time and i think a lot of times our our brains on this earth can't fathom that and i think that's okay but we should we should work too and we should walk to to fathom justice and mercy at the exact same time um and that's of course something we can pray into and ask for guidance and wisdom in but yeah you're right that it can be really hard to know what to believe but ultimately like i think it's so good that you said like where would jesus stand and ultimately like sounds cheesy but like he loves everyone and he came to save everyone you know
1: yeah and he's he's in the middle but not that doesn't mean he's neutral Mm -hmm. like he's not he's not standing in between because he's just kind of like morally upright or or something like it's yeah it, it is challenging it's it's good to wrestle with and yeah you're right like i mean think about jesus the way christ came i mean when people talk about, use the phrase like upside down kingdom, like when he like came into the world, like people couldn't fathom <laughs> the way he viewed people, you know, like it truly was a third kingdom route. And I mean, the Jews, the Jews and, and the, you know, they, they were excited to see him, but they were also like, what about the law? You know? And mm-hmm. he's like, oh, of course the law is great. But then the Pharisees, you know, they, well, these people aren't living. They're you know they're dirty. He's like, oh, well, I still love them. So it's just like neither side is uh, getting what they want. Mm-hmm. But in reality, I mean, yeah, it is. It's so cool that that's we're seeing that play out in our culture right now.
0: Mm-hmm. And it's cool to watch people have to wrestle with it. You know, like okay, well, what is justice and what is mercy and what are all of these things? And I think that is really powerful to see people wrestle with. And another thing I'd like to add is. I was just reading Genesis this morning at the very end, like the very end of the entire book. And um, it's Jacob. No, Joseph. And he says, you know what? Like, I forgive you because you intended these things for evil, but God intended them for good so that many lives could be saved. And I don't know exactly how that would fit into this, except I do know that that was so comforting for me to hear because when I'm looking at So many things are happening right now, you know, the racial tensions and the riots and and then also things with coronavirus and literally everything going on. It's so empowering to say, you know what? You intended this for evil, but God intends it. He intended it for good so that many lives would be saved. And I mean, I would apply that to being saved in in a spiritual sense, not only a physical sense, you know, and I think it's powerful to look at that in light of everything that's happening.
1: Yeah, I think I think that story you just said is a good example of that's I mean, that's common grace. Uh, that's like the way common grace works is I mean god yeah God uses uh he uses so many things for good and even like the protesting like if you if you think that the protesting's too much or, or or you know you're uncomfortable with it like in some parts of it like destroying businesses and stuff like you know that might that's not great but like that doesn't mean that God's not using that as part of a, a bigger movement that's that's worth fighting you know and fighting the system that's that's a that's a kingdom value actually so
0: mm-hmm. right it's just <laughs> it's cool to see the way that the gospel is woven into so many things but at the same time i would say to the listener i would encourage the listener to speak with us about someone who is wise and someone who you can speak to and um, not me <laughs> Oh my goodness, just someone in your life, because a lot of times, even things in this world are presented as they're wrapped up in a bow as truth and as good and as, um, you know, gospel truth, but sometimes they're not. And that doesn't mean that everyone's malicious and lying. It just means that discernment, you, you have to walk with discernment. And, um, I would just encourage everyone to pray through these things and read these things, um, through the lens of the gospel and speak with people in your life who can counsel you. Good word. Sweet. Okay. So that's awesome. I'm just really glad that you opened that conversation and I'm really thankful for that. I guess going forward, I wanted to talk some about just your experience in college and because we have had cool conversations about it. You were in a fraternity, but you were also a young life leader, right? And, Mm -hmm. um, now you're an RUF, so if you just want to walk us through that a little bit, I know that's super broad, but just say yeah, whatever yeah. you feel.
1: I guess I'll. So should I guess I should start on like the day I graduated high school, just work my way <laughs> through like month by month. Uh, man, it's cool to uh, to look back at my college experience retrospectively and and see how uh, I was shaped through that and and how much I've changed, my friend. Uh, my friend Colin came up to visit the other day and we went golfing and he looked at me and said, he was in my class and he said, dude, do you realize that we've now been out of college longer than we were in college? I was like, holy smokes, that's four plus years. Uh, Mm -hmm. but yeah, I mean, I think a big thing about my college experience was that I looked at it so, uh, I don't know if mechanically is the right word, but it was just like, It was part of the next, it was the cog, you know, it was like, all right, I'm, uh, I'm in high school. Uh, I want to, I want to be a doctor, so I need to go the best school that I can and I need to just go there and then it'll, everything will just work out. Like the rest of my life will work out. And I just, I, I think I was really shaped a lot by coming to a place like Wake where I was challenged to learn to love learning and as opposed to um learning how to just uh get by you know like get the grade or whatever and yeah where should i go from here i don't know uh i was a young life leader all four years mainly because the one of the first really healthy uh christian relationships i had in my life was uh in high school like the end of high school with my young life leader I just thought he was the coolest dude ever and he was the first i think he was the first person to actually interact with me with grace yeah he 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 treated me differently i mean i'd been going to church for a while but i was i was going to some funky i was interacting with some funky stuff (laughs) um a little bit of some some kind of hypocritical kind of messy i mean you know being a high schooler is hard anyway. So, but yeah, I mean, I, that's why I became a leader. Uh, I wanted to do what he did for, for high school kids. And yeah, it was just, it was one of the first things that I was able to get involved in in college that, uh, kind of held me accountable to living, living out a, a Christian lifestyle and gave me opportunity to serve. And, um, I really loved the high school kids that I was with and I liked, I liked planning things to do with them. And, things that things that they wouldn't expect someone in my position to do you know like uh not just hey let's go to a movie or something but like let's go camp and you know come over to my dorm and we'll play music and you know stuff like that it's just that was the stuff that was really special but you're uh aren't you a leader
0: um yes not okay. i guess not officially because placement was you know the week we were supposed to get back
1: canceled
0: but i think it's okay for me to say that I will be a leader. So I'm excited. It's a really cool organization. And I would say that I wasn't completely sold on Young Life when I started college. You know, I really didn't know anything about it. Mm -hmm. And then um, some people like, you know, like TI and Colson kind of like showed me what it was about. And I have just grown such a love for the organization and its mission to reach kids who you aren't necessarily going to find at church. I just think it's unique in that way.
1: Yeah, that was probably the thing that frustrated me most when I was in high school was uh, like, dang it, like so these some of these kids here, like, you know, they're like the partiers, like they're annoying or whatever. And then I realized when I got in college, I was like, oh, oh, oh yeah, that's right. It, those <laughs> those are the kids that are supposed to be there. Right. Those are the kids that I'm supposed to be chasing. So Right. I love that. Touching it's on cute. that,
0: I think like for me, just the transition into college, like, because going through young life training like it just taught me so much about like what it really means to enter people's lives and love them the way Jesus would I, might, I mean my views of like loving people and and um, you know who may or may not be a Christian have just radically changed being in college and being involved with young life and I just think that's cool
1: yeah well you like you said I mean now I'm in UF uh, yeah. I'm not really like critical of young life but um, something that I felt like was was lacking there. Was um, I was I was doing a lot of like work, like I was going out and doing a lot of work. I didn't feel like I was getting a lot of nourishment myself. Like <laughs> I think I had kind of a thinly veiled idea of what I believed in, and in ways, like the basic story and my actions were that was what was good for the students. But RUF was the first place at Wake where I felt like I was growing ritually and engaging with a side of christianity i never experienced before it was uh i mean not that it's like academic but it, it there was just something a little it was a little more challenging it wasn't there was just a lot of things that i didn't like i just don't think i understood the costliness of of christ's death yeah. until uh i started going to ruf and i actually got in i got i only got an ruf because uh my older friend who was Uh, The worship director was graduating. He was like, hey, you got to come to RUF now. (laughs) I was like, what's RUF? (laughs) I show up and there's like 200 kids in the Pew Auditorium. But yeah, uh, and that's why I'm pursuing it now. I think that was the jumping point for me was starting RUF in in college. And then when I got out, I saw how how RUF pointed me to the church. Mm -hmm. And I saw that the adult version of RUF is church.
0: Uh, yeah,
1: that's good. It's just so I love that. It really does feel like a like a diving board for that. Mm. And I loved my church. And I mean, I'm sitting in my pastor's house right now. Right. Uh, but yeah, I, st- I mean, I started working for RUF because I wanted to. It kind of the same. It's almost like a young life perspective. Like part of me was like, I really want to serve college students. I want to I want to prepare them to go to the church, but also I still don't think I know uh, I don't I think I know what I believe but I don't know how to articulate it and I don't know I don't know where to go for that mm. I mean I, I was in public school my whole life so it was interesting to to start feeling like I was basically taking Bible classes I mean reading books and stuff on like it I'm like this is awesome this like I wish I had this I wish I had grown up in in classes or whatever reading the Catechism or right. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever it is, but <laughs>
0: fun stuff.
1: <laughs> it is so fun.
0: I I feel the same way that for me, like, um, obviously haven't started officially as a young life leader, but I plan to, and I've I've done a few things, um, serving so far in that area, and I do agree that for me, like, that area is where I want to pour out and pour into people and in to just serve. But then you come to a point, you're like, well, <laughs> what about me? You know, and yeah. for, I I see Ruf is like now I'm I'm the kid at Ruf. I, you know, I think it's important that through the structure of RUF and its organization, like the people teaching me are much older than me and they have much, um, much more life experience than me. And I, I feel like I can still be a kid and just curious and eager to learn. And the people there will teach me and they're willing to, you know, tell me what is true and what is not. And I've really found that in RUF. I've always appreciated John's sermons. You know, the... The way he speaks to us, he speaks to us like adults, but yeah. he, he also like the way that he speaks to us. It's so, like you said, intellectual. Not I, I don't know if I would say academic maybe, but like it's so intellectual. I think that's perfect for the student body at Wake Forest, you know, and it just has made me through RUF. I have literally grown so much in my faith and just learned so many things about what it means to even yeah. pursue life and live in community than I ever thought possible.
1: <laughs> that's awesome.
0: It's so, cool. John, it's so it, cool.
1: I know John's listen, gonna listen to this. He's 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 gonna be he's gonna be so happy to, to hear that he's he's being called an intellectual who teaches you how to how to uh express your faith and live in community. That's that's a huge compliment to him.
0: Oh yeah. Hey John he that. <laughs> 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 that's,
1: that's my boss.
0: Oh my gosh. It's been awesome though. And I actually heard so many people told me about RUF before I even got in college. My youth pastor was like, first of all, you have to go to a school that has RUF, you know, like you have to. And I was like, okay. And um, I got—I was blessed to meet so many people who had already participated in RUF through camp and through a mission trip and things like that. So it's cool. Yeah. I love learning about the structure of all of it. So um, would you mind speaking for a minute yeah. about like what, you, what it means to be in it? Like what do you do? I remember you telling me a lot about, Stuff that y'all have to read every week and everything like that, like prayer meetings, like yeah. all.
1: Yeah, my role as an intern. Right. Um, yeah, I think. Well, when I first started, I, I, or before, I mean, when I, I agreed to do it, I, I thought that it was just, uh, it was just gonna be like me let loose on campus.
0: What <laughs> <And, laughs> you want to do? <laughs> it.
1: Can, I mean, it kind, it kind of is, but there is a lot of, um, there are a lot of expectations and, uh yeah, I love the way RUF has structured it. And yeah, part of my job is, is study. Um, so yeah, I got big, I mean, RUF is an agency of the PCA church. So, uh, RUF loves preparing interns to go to seminary. So I, yeah, so every, every month I have, uh, one to two Christian thought books and that I have to read and write a report on in addition to shorter catechism and Westminster Confession uh, questions that I have to work through. And then I have to read like one to three books of the Bible. So in the end, I will have gone through like, I don't know, 30 or 40 Christian thought books, uh, the whole Bible, and all of the catechisms and confessions. So um, I think the big idea there is is to turn my mind into a sponge yes, right to absorb absorb all that all that good stuff and um that's been really helpful it's given me a lot of like i said before like it's shown me how to articulate what i believe and and then outside of that yeah i've got i lead like a book study and i lead a small group and um i'll lead a bible study and uh we've got large group every week that i help minimally with Cause it's so fortunately wake forest is so student led. It's I mean, it's amazing uh, how much y'all run things. Yeah. And then, yeah, we've got prayer. We'll do like daily prayer. And other than that, like the interns are kind of designed for being with y'all and Mm -hmm. uh, we will organize, we'll organize activities, you know, if we have like a cookout or whatever. And um, which I don't know how much of that's going to be happening with, fall covid but yeah i mean we were we were designed to be in a sense a young life leader for y'all you know to walk with you side by side and and engage with you like hard questions and you know show you the routes you know how to pray and how to how to uh how to talk about hard things and and just to give you space to be vulnerable but.
0: Yeah, that's cool. And from a student perspective of having RUF interns and RUF staff on campus with me, um, I've told a lot of my friends this, but it really is so comforting because I know that you know y'all aren't being motivated to love us and to walk with us to get like paid more. It's not. It's not like you know that's not the setup. Like y'all genuinely right. love us because y'all love us and y'all want to walk with us and you know walk and step with us and show us Christ and that's really powerful for someone my age to have on a college campus where so many people on a college campus are like just totally looking out for themselves. Like um, college age students, a lot of times they're only thinking about themselves all the time and that's the nature of it. And in some sense that's wrong, but that's how it is. And to have people on campus who genuinely are only there to care about you is crazy. Like I was talking with my friends and I was like, you know what, like things are definitely gonna be different when we go back to school. Um, and that really stresses me out. But I know for a fact that the REF interns and the REF staff and all of those people will be there and they're creative and like they're going to come up with ways to love us and to meet with us in community in whatever form that may be. And it it gives me a sense of like peace to know that I'm going to come back and that's still going to be there.
1: Yeah. And that's, uh, that's funny. It's funny that you felt that way because I felt when I was down in Atlanta while y'all were on spring break and i was so i was down there when corona started shutting everything down and when i found out wake got canceled i mean i thought i lost my job uh i mean i was just like gosh like if i'm not if i'm not like i couldn't fathom a virtual world like i didn't understand that um and i talked about that with someone recently too i was like if i so even when i was in college i mean i'm not that far out but When I was in college, I mean, the online tool would have been Skype or whatever, you know, or whatever it is. It just wouldn't have worked. Like, if we, if Corona hit in 2015, Wake Forest would have said, You're done with school. Just go home and we'll see you in the fall. Like, you all get A's. I mean, (laughs) I don't know. I don't, I couldn't fathom this idea of like these huge Zoom calls. And it it was just, it was it was like threatening to my job of like if I'm not with students I feel like I'm it's not gonna how am I gonna work you know and it was mm-hmm. just it was so cool to see how the the gift of technology I mean how uh, it was good to see like a redemptive side of technology like the fact that we were able to have large group and have you know over a hundred people listening with their parents you know some people's parents were watching too. And it's just like that's that's incredible i i I can't believe that happened what a blessing
0: Mm -hmm. and see like even in the midst of that like i can't i have to keep going back to you know what joseph said and it's like whoever meant this for evil but god meant it for good and it's been so Mm -hmm. cool the biggest lesson i've learned through virtual school virtual ruf and all of this stuff happening in the summer and in the fall the biggest thing i've learned is okay the world means this for evil but like god is Meaning it for good and so much good came out of um like you said virtual ruf like having siblings and parents there it's powerful it's cool
1: yeah ruf now being we're transforming the lives of students and now families and mm. we're in the household now that was a unexpected part of the job
0: Hey everyone. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I'm stopping that conversation with Dakota right there because I'm uploading another one right after. It's a part two that you don't want to miss so that we can talk more in depth about his podcast and topics of Christianity and humor and scripture. So you don't want to miss it and stay tuned. Bye.